Let's do the whole interview in time. Dude. I love that there was a count off for a podcast. Absolutely. Oh, a one, a two. All right, so we're rolling, baby. Boom, we're live, ladies and gentlemen. Adam Dawn, aka, AKA Mowo Motion Worker. Yeah. And what? There was a request for Philly Bass Guy <laughs> to make a. So they want me to do something about the bass over here. He's busy right now. He's got a plumbing job in Allentown, <laughs> Pennsylvania. He's very upset. The Philadelphia Eagles lost by the biggest margin in the history of the NFL for a defending Super Bowl champion. That is crazy. Uh, and that wraps up Philly. Bass so guy. the yeah. Saints went to nine and one, and the Eagles and went one. to ten and one, and, and the Eagles are four and, four six. and six. Do you follow American football a little? This it, I might get excited, dude. This is the greatest moment of my life. I actually know one sporting result i don't follow football <laughs> at, at all, all. Well, i just saw that on the yeah. tv I oh, was, they got yeah they got, saw it for a reason it's historic they got the shit kicked out of them but well, uh i'm okay. sure yeah, no one i pulled up and i saw the eagles thing on your car them. like in the license plate yeah. i was like oh i'm in the right place yeah i'm it's a disease yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an ailment. It at least be, I'm not a Chelsea supporter and a racist. And t- wow. Whoa, hey. <laughs> no, I went to Stanford Bridge and it was like the most anti-Semitic. Like, I was like, if it's, it's either football or they go home and beat their wives up or both. No, it's both. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah. <laughs> and sorry to anybody else out there that might be a Chelsea supporter that's like, well, I'm normal. Like, okay, I get it. You there are some normal are. ones, but you also have to remember there's like a, a, at least there was when I was a kid, a literal no-fly list of mm-hmm. soccer slash football hooligan fans who couldn't fly to Europe to games oh, yeah. because they were known hooligans. Yeah. Ugh. You know. Oh, God bless wow. our planet. We've made hooliganism <laughs> and sports right in the first 60 seconds. Unbelievable. Let's ter- talk about dermatology now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So well, what did they want to know? What they just wanted to reference? There was, the, I, well, you know, in yeah. in this day and age, I put out a post on social media. Yeah, with a, with your face on it. There we go. There we go. Look oh, at that, look, look at, at that him! Guy. Look at wow. that guy! And I just asked for questions. Oh, and there were that people came out. Yeah. There's the, the, the obvious ones. There's, there's some base ones that oh, are like, dude. you know. Well, okay, let's kick off with a base one. Oh, I mean, my it, God, I'm going to do so poorly. Go on. Adam, Yeah. some thoughts on active versus passive with effects. Active seems to be, I'm, I'm really mocking this no, person. No, no, this no, was no, a serious no, no. question. Take, I, I'm, yeah. You know, uh, active seems to be better for pitch tracking, but passive better with distortions. Right. When was the last time you used a distortion pedal on bass? Actually. Or do you? I I do. It's weird. I actually use it. Oh God! Everyone for like synth based stuff. Will laugh at me. No, no, no. For film, for film, for score work, I used uh, distortion. I used a Sansamp plugin oh. on um, a cue in a film I just finished, and I loved it. I mean, I know that's probably not like you know that's not a hard. It's not hardware. It's not you know real. But yeah, but kill, gr- brings up a great question. Like yeah. After the fact, like plugging things in after after the fact, mm. can you hear ahead of time because you played a clean sound and then plugged it in, or did you use the sound as I you were playing it? Played into it, yeah. Okay, I, I used it because I, I feel like, you know, having the insert on while I'm recording changes. I mean, I'm sure hundred percent changes it's, your note choice and everything. Right? Note choice, feel, vibe. You know, you tend to be like with a distortion pedal, especially in the context of what I was doing. It was like ignorant sloppy part it wasn't it was meant to be like a punk thing so it okay. was just like yeah i mean just put it on and like you've moved more, like way more into composing right yeah it's all i i mean that's all i do now when I was just, the last time you played a gig 
Oh, you'll love this because I don't know if we talked about this. I I I popped my baked potato cherry. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that in our chat stream <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, you yeah. were asking me if there was a house amp or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was like, um, hey, uh, should I bring my rig? And you were just like, no, dude, it's fine. Just go. It's yeah. like a musician's hang. Like, does you're all right? And the rig was great. Right, we're talking about the baked potato here in Los Angeles, California. Yeah. It's a I mean, it's it's the fifty five bar the of the 50, West Coast. Totally. So I played both. I've actually, you know, it's. I think that's like, you know, there are certain venues around the planet. As a musician, you want to say you've played in, and I've. I mean, I've done the, you know, the blue. You. I mean, every venue I mentioned, by the way, Yannick has played like eleven five times. <laughs> but as a not non touring bassist, I'm happy to say like Red Rocks, uh, Blue oh, yeah. Note. Uh, the Hollywood Bowl. Okay, I have potato. not played the Hollywood Bowl. Okay, but that's you'll probably play next week. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like trust <laughs> me. Where do you think I'm going after this? No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, the the baked potato was with. Um, I have to remember everybody's name. Was it some improvised thing yeah, you were t- saying? Completely improvised. It was Satnam Ramgotra, who was oh, like. Yeah, yeah killing drummer and an incredible top top, player yeah, yeah so it was great sound check he was so pissed at the sound the engineer was yeah. just like it sounds fun and he was like it doesn't sound fine they're topless <laughs> and they you know and it was it was great but it was kurt biscara uh, oh wow and Heavy. um uh panos um toss toss panos on drums Man, it's, double it was, drums it, dub, triple oh triple drums yeah so, wow. because i mean satnam was playing kit and yeah. like so it was really fun. And Darren Johnson on keyboards, oh, yeah. um, killing keyboard player. And yeah, uh, we had he a, play on a like a bunch of aftermath stuff. Like he's done a lot of hip hop yeah, stuff. Right? He's done yeah. a ton of hip hop stuff. He's Berkeley a Berkeley dude from back in the day. He is, yeah. I guess. My, my kind really? of generation. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And he does a, a project with Adrian Harper, Harpum, drummer. Oh, Adrian, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Called Light Blue Movers. That's really cool. Adrian's still in New York? Yeah, we grew up together. Okay. I don't know if you know that. Like Adrian I, I and I have been friends since the age of like twelve. Along, like, with I know like a lot of your story, but there mm. are like things like that. Like, well, yeah, Adrian, Stephen Wolf, and myself. Okay, same hood. So you brought up the Wolf stuff. Oh yeah. We, we have to. We have to. Because I had him on the podcast, and you I did? was yeah. Now this is like two years ago now. Oh, that's. But you got the, him. Did but, he talk about deviant sexual behavior? <laughs> of course. Okay. We were sitting in his pitch black apartment. Oh, dude, I was just I had there. the microphone clipped to the strip of. I mean, yeah. come on. oh that's great oh god the legend wolfie yeah. what's up baby um yeah he, he was uh, talking about his day rate no his per bar rate for the alicia key that's oh he, so all right i have kind <laughs> of a funny to, story he said to talk to you about he, this. yeah so he calls me up should we preface this by telling people who he is oh i'll, I'll do it okay. Stephen wolf is one of the preeminent studio drummers and 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 drum programming producer guys on the planet he's worked with if you can think of just about any pop star you can think of britney katy perry kesha um uh every pink um i mean that's our uh, alicia keys as as you just mentioned um beyonce uh that's enough i mean there aren't any yeah there's not really that you know the only pop star i can think that of that he didn't work with is is more than the pop stars he has like he hasn't yeah. worked with Adele and I'm sure that'll happen right. on this next record <laughs> so long story short we grew up together and he's actually responsible for me becoming a bass player right because and I'll get into the whole per bar rate because that's <laughs> it's so hysterical good, right? <laughs> but um he he and I grew up outside of Philly, really close to Philly, basically like Philly suburbs, like on the border of Philly and, and uh, what's called the main line. And when I was like 14, he was t- 
two years, two years ahead of me, right. two years ahead of me in, in, in school. And he was like the musician in school. And I was like, well, you know, I always knew growing up, if you want to be good at anything, you just get around the best right, period. Right. So he was the dude. So um, just became buddies with him. And ostensibly, I wanted to be a drummer. And he was just like, don't be a drummer. We'll, we'll never work together. <laughs> Meanwhile, we never work together <laughs> unless I hire him. But so he was like, why don't you, he's like, you got, I know you have time and feel right. like, he's like, be a bass player. And he played me this, um, oh God, I think at the time I had like, you know, I, I got this like Billy Cobham record and I was like, oh man, the bass player is really cool. And he was like, if you like this bass player, the bass player was Baron Brown. Okay, he was a yeah. badass. And he took this solo on a tune called unknown jerome's yeah. on warning and i was like oh man that's the shit and he goes okay he's amazing but check this out and he puts on the run for cover solo from oh. straight to the heart the sam sam record yeah, the marcus, marcus solo yeah. and that just i mean literally like it's like those moments where you're just like yeah that changed my life right. like i was like i'm gonna be a bass player i'm gonna play like this guy i need to know this like i you know you and i are very similar we are not we are subtle as a cry for help if we want to do something <laughs> we figure out how to do it we get around the people that do it we get the ability to earn our way around you're like sure i wrote a letter to marcus and i got a bass within three days and like i don't know about you but when i started playing bass within like eight months i had like i was playing like 100%. i was yeah i just was like i'm fucking doing this i got you know? i got super lucky with my mentor he lives yeah. super close by this guy lawrence Who, who's lawrence, lawrence cottle okay uh, studio bass player in the uk jazz guy kind yeah. of a jacko school oh dude. nice and i saw that i wanted to be a drummer as well oh um, a buddy of mine shit, that's yeah dude, fucking, that's sick i didn't uh, know that i was playing you drums. probably can play drums anyway i still yeah. do sometimes yeah, 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 when yeah. i'm around it my, my next goal is to have a house big enough to make that have a kid noise yeah. absolutely 100 percent. oh dude but my buddy dragged me to the jazz gig like the sunday brunch pub jazz gig right. in south london and said you got to check out this bass player i'm like bass player yeah fuck i want to be a drummer <laughs> yeah the drummer's cool <laughs> too bass you is know. boring right <laughs> yeah and that was it. Yeah. Saw him Sunday lunchtime. Monday went out, bought the bass. Wow. That was in like January, March. How March, old were you? I had my first like kid. kids? 16. Like 16. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I was like a little younger, but... Maybe I was 15. 15, yeah. Yeah, I just... It's just... all. Came, I remember I was jamming with Wolf. Wolf had this incredible old... I almost want to say like it was almost like a Victorian house. A huge okay. house they grew up in. Really... You know, I was buddies with his brother. His mom's one of the sweetest women I've ever met in my life. Just right. like really close with the family. And he had the whole attic was like built out and kind of carpeted and finished. And he had like, it was just a drum museum. Wow. And he had a bass rig in there because he, I mean, just to put Wolf in perspective, like the first band I saw Wolf with was with Kurt Rosenwinkel. So it was like these yeah. these guys had their shit together. 100%. You know what I mean? Like I met Kurt when I was 13 and he was already completely able to play like note for note on piano all of the shit Bill Evans did on Blue and Green. And I was just so beyond me. Like, yeah. you know, I was like, hey, man, um, does it have like an ostinato? You know, like I knew what an ostinato <laughs> was. So, you know, I started playing really quickly. I got in touch with Marcus through a letter and didn't hear anything from him. But like, I remember turning 16 and he, like, I put my number on the letter and like eight, 10 months after I sent him this letter care of, this is so funny. I sent it care of Luther Vandross's manager thinking like, well, maybe <laughs> this guy, since he works with Luther right. and I, you know, I knew the guy a little through my dad. And I was like, can you get this to Marcus? 
Was Luther one of the did, guys your dad worked with? A little bit, okay. but only in the capacity as a uh, uh, Luther worked. It was funny. Luther worked with my old man as a background singer. Okay. And I don't know that they really got along. But okay. when I met Luther, he made the connection, but he knew how close I was with Marcus. And we just became like Luther was the sweetest, nicest dude ever. Like he he's probably he probably taught me as much as Marcus did su subsequently, just in a much shorter amount of time. Just right, ridiculous. Right. So anyway, long story short, Marcus calls me and you have to understand how nerded out. And I'm sure you were the same way as a kid. Yeah. Like we wanted to be what those guys were so badly oh that God. I Wolf would call me and be like, Hey Adam, it's Lenny White, you know, and like just I'd be like, What? You know, and it's just like why and <laughs> he'd just be like, Yeah, you. and it's like he would draw cartoons with Omar, like the adventures of all these drummers he loved. Like he was really, really into it. Yeah. So I get this call from Marcus one day and he's like, you know, hey Adam, it's Marcus Miller. And I was just like, Okay, Wolf, like cut it cut it out, man. And he's just like who's wolf and i was just like wait a minute and he's like it's marcus miller and i was like okay what key is this song and, you know like he has a, he had this tune loving you on remember those first yes. two solo records killing yeah, yeah, bass yes, yes. so he's like oh it's you know it's this chromatic approach up to a flat you know <laughs> he actually everything. answered the yeah, question yeah, he answered the, and i freaked out like to this day like he's still like he'll just be like man i I called you and you like, it was like you, you won. Well, no, no. It was more like you won publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. He was like, you freaked out. And, and honestly, from that point forward, you know, there was a little lull between I moved. That was still in Philly. I moved to New York and yeah. I ended up, I hung out with Marcus every day in the studio for like three years yeah. before I went to Berkeley. So, so I mean, yeah. this whole just bananas. The last mm. four minutes of you recounting that time brings mm. up so many things about curiosity mm. and about how it. I know I was driven by curiosity. Oh yeah, and Wolf with the cartoons. You like just this is it. You know, yeah. like, this it's this or nothing. Like this oh, no. or die. This is like oh, no, yeah. No no room oh, for failure. I'm, I meant to say oh yes yeah. There was no other. I remember because listen, I left high school to do this. I right. my last two years of school were like my father was like why do this right you know and i should give you know background on that as my father was in the record business right, of course. he was going through a period where he music and the entire similar to now like everything just changed on everyone music is something that like miles davis was all, was always such a genius with this like every five years it just right there's a shift and if you're not already ready for it you're done right and unfortunately, at that time, my father went from a really nice run of like some classic like hit recordings to like, yeah, disco killed his career. You know what I mean? Oh, that so was many people can right. can say that. And then, you know, there were, you know, he was this is like late mid late 80s. And it was like, yeah, he was making a comeback. He right. was starting to fuck around with some other stuff and he landed on his feet. But I always think like people I don't know about you. I, I mean, I got to Berkeley. And I was friends, I am still, with like Layla Hathaway and David Sanborn's son, Jonathan, yeah. Charles Mingus' son, Eric. Like, they're older than us. But I knew them a little bit, and it was like, I got there. And people were like, oh, this is easy for you. You know everyone. You know, this <laughs> wow. is getting... And I'm Those like, are you out that. of your mind? I'm like, I'm at school. I'm 19. I haven't been around people my own age in three years. Right. And schoolie Severinsen is here. It's like, I'm prepared oh. to fail 
every day. Okay, so you were you that know. generation. Yeah, with, I mean, Matt, Matt, Matt came in Garrison. my Matt. I was there. Matt came in on my second semester. Abe Junior. Uh, yeah, I drums, played with yeah. Abe all the time. I mean, what it was what, and I played. We used to do. His father would come to school and it would be the three of us would. I remember one time we played for like two and a half hours in a, one of those ensemble office rooms Absolutely. where they. B13. Oh, or something. yeah. <laughs> just like rooms I was never allowed in. But Abe's like, dude, my, my dad's here. Like, let's. And I'll tell you, this is great. Fast forward nearly 25 or 27 years. I go to the baked potato when I first moved to L.A. Yeah. And Abe is doing. They do that family gig that they do. With that's the trio. Just, yeah. Stunning. And I think Kinsey was on it. So I, okay. I, I was like, oh shit, Scott's right. on it. And who was at Berkeley when I was there as well. And Abe is on the gig. They finished their first set. And mind you, I haven't seen Abe Sr. since we played together. Right. I walk up and I was like, hey, I just want to introduce myself. And he goes, Adam, it's so. And I was like, you, you're you a Buddha, man. Yeah, yeah. You are like some. Uh, first of all, I don't know how to do uh, anything that you do. You're fucking brilliant. Right. And he remembered me, and I was like so blown away by that. Like, we only played together like two times. Well, that's, that's a good way to answer the question that comes up. Like, how do, how are you successful in the music business? <laughs> Remember people. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Be that person. Yes. Don't you be know? the. You know, and it's funny. I've worked with so many artists that are the opposite of that person. No, I spent like off and on like ten years being around, and I hate to say this because he ended up being the sweetest guy, but I spent a lot of time around Lou Reed, oh, yeah. and like he was he was the dude that was just like. Who are you? And I was like, <laughs> I'm the dude that just was playing next to you. Like, right, 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 right. <laughs> come on, Lou. And then, you know, all it took was for my dad to die and he became like Uncle oh, Lou. Geez. Yeah. But he was, I have to say, Mensch City. Like okay. he was fucking cool as shit. But but yeah, I guess, you know, without, you know, veering off too much, you know, you you have this thing where I had entree into certain things because of my old man. But when right. I moved to New York, man, he wasn't working. And I was basically just like, I had a job at a record shop during the day. Uh, like uh, the precursor to what became Coconuts. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow. It was called Disco Mat. And then they, <laughs> they got purchased. But I worked there during the day. And at night, I basically till like two in the morning, whenever Marcus was working with like, man, the run of people I was around was like, Sanborn, Miles, Roberta Flack, Joe Sample, Take Six. Um, so what are we looking at, late 80s here? Yeah, like 80, uh, 88, 89, 90, and then at the end, into 90, I'm at Berkeley. Okay. So maybe it wasn't three years, it was like two and three two and quarter change. years, yeah, okay. two and change. Um, and Luther. Yeah. And Luther was like a third of that amount of time. Yeah. Like and I'll never forget... Um, the night before the Luther session, Marcus says to me, listen, by like noon tomorrow, he's either going to say he likes you and you can hang or he's going to ask you to leave right. because this is a really personal process for him. And if you're going to be here, you're here for the long haul and he doesn't want a distraction. Right. So, <laughs> so I went and and I was like, I dressed as nicely as like I had the, the worst. <laughs> I was like a Bill Cosby sweater, and like ill fitting pants. And I was just sitting quietly in the thing. And I was waiting. And then like lunchtime comes around that morning. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, and And Luther is just like, I get Mark. Uh, Luther goes into the lounge at right track in Studio A. And, yeah. and Marcus just is in front of the console, SSL. And 
he's leaning on the console and he goes, Adam. And I'm like, what's up? And he goes, you're cool. And I felt like I lost 35 pounds. He goes, wow. Luther likes you and you're cool. Wow. Was Marcus producing those days yeah. as well as playing on him? Marcus, that's all he did. That's the thing that's fascinating that I think a lot of his fans don't understand. Yeah. He had a career for 15 maybe 20 years before he's even a solo artist. I right. mean, he, he had an, a, an attempt at a solo career sure. early on because of all the hits Luther was having. Right. You know, labels were throwing deals at people that were connected. Um, but it wasn't really meant for him to be a singing pop star. I mean, right, those right, records are sure. fun, but, you know, it's yeah. like... So he literally was doing sessions all the time as a bass player and touring with artists and producing and songwriting. I mean, he did, and it cracks me up because I meet people and they're just like, oh man, you know, Marcus, you work on his record. I'm like, yeah, I I mean, I know him when he was just like, Adam, I'm going to be two hours late. I'm playing on this record for an artist named Mariah Carey. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just like, I'm doing a session. Tell Jason, like, to get this sound on keyboard. Like, you know, he's like, I can't, you know. He was as working as a sideman and studio player as anybody you'll ever meet. You know, it's like Will Lee, Anthony Jackson, Marcus, Marcus first call. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. But I caught him at the end of that run into a film score and solo artist career. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's, it's funny to hear the stories of like, yeah, just playing on some track, rolling out of the studio and then finding out that it was like just the two of us. Yeah. Bill Withers. Oh. Because it was just a track. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, the story. So it's funny you mentioned that. Like, I have a story regarding that. My, my really good buddy, Adam Gorgoni, is a composer here in L.A., great composer. And his father is named Al Gorgoni. Okay. And he's, I think, in his early 80s. And he was a studio guitarist in New York from the early 60s on. So, like, you know, you hear Brown Eyed Girl by uh yeah. Van Morrison. Yeah, that's him. Oh shit. And he okay. just wrote it. They're like, we need an intro. So that's Al. And you know how he you just said, oh well he's rolling out of a session and yeah. it becomes this. That was just on a Wednesday and right. he made scale right. and exactly. he goes to a fucking jingle. Yes. You know, and that's what it was. So I think there's the, the that generation of guys into the like the Will Lee sort of Anthony you know, those studio guys, I caught the very end of the real session right. world where like, you know, shitty pair of Fostex headphones, <laughs> an hour to do a jingle. Yeah. You look over one, two, you know, Absolutely. you're off and running and then you go to it. I did that shit for real yeah. for like three years and then it, it died. died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I remember just being there like, you read? Whoa. Yeah. yeah you do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm going to admit now. Because uh, I get that all the time, that question like, hey, man, is it really important to learn how to read music? It and, is. Okay. I think it is. Okay, cool. But Because I have the complete opposite answer, but I okay, really no, want to no, hear no. And I, I think I come around to okay. what you say. Okay. It is important to read for the following fact. I think it helps you learn uh, the language that is music and the fundamental rules of harmony. And just it's rhythm. good. It's a rhythm. Yeah. It's a great tool for knowing how to communicate with other musicians 100%. however george benson doesn't read so dennis chambers it, doesn't read. Like, it's exactly. unbelievable exactly yeah so can i read yes i can am i a great reader no the fuck i'm not but most of the time the hardest reading i ever saw was at the school s- oh right. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i got to sessions in in new york yeah. i'm talking about like triple scale high-end pop yeah. 
slashes. Football, slashes. Football, yeah, exactly. Oh, footballs for days, man. Yeah. Um, I was, I was about, to, I was thinking when you something. said the hardest thing is to me, the hardest thing is reading the rest. Like if you have a long score, yeah. you got a football and eight hundred seventy-three bars rest that you have to. That's one of the hardest that, things mentally. I'm so impressed by orchestral percussionists yes. that can sit through forty-six <laughs> minutes and go boom. You know, like, I don't know how to read like that. Talking to, uh, you know, Matt Chamberlain. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. talking to him the other Not night. Not personally, about, but yeah. I, I, the first bit. time I met him the other night at, oh, nice. at Chris Cheney's place. and uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, was, Chris was at school when I was at school. He was there as well. Yeah, Another, it was Chris, wow. yeah. We didn't hang. We got okay. to know each other a little after the fact okay. through, like, Gary Novak. And, oh, cool. Yeah, there was right. like a they whole... They used to live together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That whole thing. And, uh, yeah, so I, I met Matt for the first time. We're talking about orchestral percussionists. And mm. there's a guy called Gary Cattell. Okay. This English guy, studio guy, and um, we're talking about how kind of crazy percussionists get in general, mm-hmm. and how there's a lot of rest. He's a timpani player, had like 800 bars rest, fell asleep on the timpani, <gasps> put his foot on the brake of the timpani and unlocked the brake, and the timpani plowed through the orchestra and knocked the conductor off the podium, made the front page of the newspaper. My kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. So That's I heard amazing. that story really young yeah. and I learned how to count bars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, but I think you're right, but I'd like to hear your perspective on the learning and reading. because no, I, I 100% mean, agree with you in mm. terms of how what a great tool it is to learn certain facets and the communication thing. Mm. Being able to write something down and give yeah. it to someone from a place of being able to read. My thing was, in the last 20 years I've been asked to read and I read great mm-hmm. like like total yeah, I, shit I would be surprised uh, if you it's couldn't it's like yeah. and I'm so frustrated that yeah. I never get to I do gave, it I gave Yannick a part in tenor clef that I asked him to transpose up a sixth and he, <laughs> and he nails it you're one of those dudes I, I yeah I did. I took that. It was like John Clark, the bass player teacher at Berkeley, yeah. right guy, right. And I yeah, took his advanced reading guy. class. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And he, he was us, my first teacher. He was. He I taught us him. tenor clef, alto clef, all of those things. But oh, wait, John Clark or Dave Clark? Dave Clark. Dave, sorry, yeah, sorry, I was going to say Clark. Dave, yeah, upright player, yes. sweetest guy, Philly guy. Super. Oh, he is. He and I are huge Philadelphia Eagles fans. Okay. So he still will text me to this day or nice. send me, you know, IMs. And yeah, he's the shit. Such a sweetheart. But yeah, the, the just the point being, I, re, I read great. I, yeah. It was kind of a necessity in the UK. Like every gig was yeah. a reading gig almost. Sure. Um, and then in the last 20 years of living in the US, I've been asked to do it like four times. Yeah, you just, you know. And then that kind of was what I was saying. Like, you know, you'll get asked to read. Some, oh, dude. Okay. So here's the perfect reading like scenario i when i was doing sessions really doing sessions there was um when the session scene started to fade what didn't fade was international pop stars coming to new york oh yeah and i did a boatload of those sessions nice for japanese I was artists say japanese well but that was also the big one right mexican artists and i did a, a french artist i played on a record for this french artist that sold like three and a half million records in Oof. europe it was massive right and i and i toured with the guy and it was yeah. like that weird thing where you're like 23 you're touring with this massive star right in a culture and country you know nothing about and the music is so detached from who and what you are but right. you're like this is what this is. This is a, it's amazing. And you're, to be doing that back home, it would have to be like Michael Jackson. Or oh something. no, no, absolutely. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, so, I equated at the time this guy's career. He was like, sort of like this Brian Adams slash Springsteen of France. Like he okay. was like a pop idolish kind of guy that had hooky pop tunes like Brian Adams, but okay. he wanted to be this rocker dude. But Johnny Holiday was the rocker dude. Um, but I yeah, I spent like three and a half years in France playing with all those artists. Right. So it was like. 
that was all a result of a session scene in New York becoming this other thing. So here's the thing. I did this Japanese pop record for this. Um, I think there's, this is what I love about Japan. I worked <laughs> on a group's record that is still a massive group in Japan because it's almost like the menudo of Japan. They keep it's swapping. Not, smap. smap. Yep. Dude, I did a smap session as well. Come we, on, Brotherhood man. of the Smap. What, what, was what it year, through though? sushi? Did you did that do sushi in the Atsushi in New York hire you? No. Because he was the kind What year was that for oh, you? Dude, it was ninety six. Okay, so this you was know? like at least ten years later. Yeah. Right? Not eight, nine years later or something right. like that. Oh, wow. So I did a SMAP <laughs> session and then I did a session for the songwriter for SMAP who got his own solo deal. Okay. I'm trying to I think his name was his name is Hayashida Kenji. So, okay. you know, Kenji Hayashi. Kenji Hayashi yeah. So I do this session and I shit you not. It's, they, 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 you know, first of all, they call Anthony for the session. He just says, no. <laughs> and, and I'm second up. So I'm like, wow. I'll do it. It was me, Hiram. Wow. Fucking Hiram. Oh, man. And uh, uh, Juju House from, from EU. Yeah, absolutely. It was supposed to be Will Calhoun, but okay. for whatever reason, it was Juju, uh, which either Great. so much fun. So, yeah. I get to right track and I'm like, I'll just set up in the control room, just put me up on the monitors. And I've never done this since or before or after or whatever. They, I needed three music stands for the chart <laughs> and it was an ostinato. Oh no. And they wrote out thing. 189 bars of the same thing. I just, you know, talk oh. about like ADHD and just tuning out. I was just like, I'm looking around and I'm like, wow. I think the break is here. Gliss, you know what I'm just, yeah. <laughs> and I, to this day, kick myself for not keeping it because it was a tune that literally got to the point where they're like, okay, take it from the J section. And I'm like, Did you, you mean you chorus mean number one? 11? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, part one. Wow. So, I, yeah, the reading thing always cracked me up that way because it was like, you know, hundreds of measures or whatever. And then there's went, Kidding. you know what I mean? Right. And so, yeah. you, had, you know, and I, I was fine. I know. Also, the only time ever in my life on a pop session, and I was thinking about this before you came over because there's all these sessions guys do. I took a solo on a Japanese pop record. Ooh. That's like, it's cool. It's Ooh, not, you know, it's not killing. I kept it like, you know, inside. And Hiram follows me with a guitar solo and and, nice. and literally echoes my, I, I, thought, I was like, it. I did like my bullshit, like, uh, I, it's like a Jocko thing where you just like tritones going, oh God, <laughs> you know, it's just like, uh, oh my God, I don't put uh, you know what I mean? Oh, One of those bullshit, yeah. like that's descent, <laughs> like you know, a descending kind of thing, and and of course, what does Hiram do? Come in right with the same phrase, and I'm just like, oh, I'm horrible. He just, I'm like, you know, and that was jolly bigger Hiram. You know what I mean? Like good head. You know, was was Hiram around those sessions that Marcus was no. working on? No, they no. didn't. Uh, some things. Were you around it, like night music? Era? Yeah, a okay. little bit, a little. Because I, all right, so night music was during the summer of my. I stayed at Berkeley for a summer semester without attending the school okay. just to play. You know, sure, I'm sure, sure. you did the same thing, you know, and I would visit rehearsals and stuff, but I didn't work on that show. I didn't, okay. you know, but you were around but, rehearsals like Donald. Oh Myers yeah. And, I would just, oh, yeah. Wow. I went, I hung out at SIR a bunch of times while they worked with different artists and just, you know, throughout the couple of days beforehand, you know, they would, Get, Hiram said they used to track like rehearse a few days and then track three days or something like that. Away. Yeah, I yeah. mean that would make sense because SIR was totally you know was set up to. You should go, uh, you should go check that out. Anyone who's listening, coffee drinkers. By the way, oh. my, my 
team of people that listen to this podcast it's called coffee called, drinkers they're called coffee drinkers all right yeah. so father the, the irony being that i'm the i'm the coffee drinker leader and have never tasted coffee in my life really yeah i've made holy it to 40 shit. years old today oh and really yeah it's your and birthday yesterday holy yeah. shit and, it's my uh, birthday a week from tomorrow oh That's nice awesome. and right. made it 40 years without a cup of coffee but um yeah coffee drinkers you should go check that out i'm gonna Night go music. out on a limb here and just say he probably I shouldn't drink coffee. He shouldn't. Oh Don't drink. God. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Intensity. <laughs> Could you like, imagine me on any sort of like? No, I've never done speed. Cocaine, any of that. Coffee. I've <laughs> never done a fucking. What do they call that? Like, uh, uh, what's it when it uh, in the air when it's like micro content? Part. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even a particulate of cocaine That's is entered my body. I would literally. Yeah. Was that a thing when you were a Berkeley? No. No. Not didn't at all. See that at all, huh? Not even a little bit. Wow. Yeah, like- and I also think my energy was like, sort of like, not only do I not see it, don't bring don't me bring around, around this yeah. shit. I, you know, I'm that dude. Because I mean, there were guys there. I mean, there were definitely guys there that were addicted. There were definitely guys abusing drugs, but it was mostly alcohol. And what and about the studio scene? Coke was too expensive. No one had money. Oh, okay. I'm assuming that that was also part of it. Yeah. But know? what about the studio scene? Was that in Boston? No, no, in New York when you were hanging around that. Like those uh, you kind know, of I was so young. It was weird. Okay, one, one, one way, one aspect of being my father's kid yeah. is that the guys I did work with that were from his generation would shelter me oh, yeah, from okay. that shit. And I do, you know, and I, and I spent those years with Marcus. Marcus is the cleanest living I was going to say that's why I was really interested. Yeah, there's no, there's just none of that. Sanborn had already been clean. Right. Will had was the first of all of them to be clean, and I actually right. don't. I didn't really know Will at all back then. I've gotten to know oh, okay. Will as a, as an older person. Right. Actually, I think I got close with Will because of Philly, but Philly guy based stars. Oh, really? <laughs> Wolf showed him the videos, and he's like, "I need to know this person. This is spectacular." Like he was, he called me, and he's like, "This dude, what the?" Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. Um. It's weird. Philly guy based stars connected me to some of my idols, like Victor Bailey got into oh, yeah. like before he passed he was yeah. like i i did one for victor and it's like whatever it's it's funny and i play some of this stuff from kid logic and yeah, yeah. and and he he is his comment is one of the first on youtube and he's like he's like i just can't tell you how much this made me laugh because he's from philly <laughs> yeah. so like point and ha- blank and he has a sense of humor as really well, which, yeah yeah and it was just like you know to have like pino and victor yeah. and and will like that's all, you know, Marcus already was like, you're diseased. Like, right. I'm not even going to comment <laughs> on these, you know, but. Um, I like the jazz one, man. Like, oh, the secret, the secret the of jazz. The secret of jazz. Like, <laughs> like, I almost sound like I can do something. Well, dude, this <laughs> is the, this. Okay, so this is the thing. And like, I hate scripting these things. I right. love the fact that you and I can just sit down and yeah. we're, we're 30 something minutes in and we've yeah. gone all around the world already. But one of the things on the way over, I was like, okay, there's something I want to convey to the audience about what it is to be great not just to be good but to i'm serious now like to to be great like knowing that right now you're in this like documentary movie composer thing living in la so far removed from new york and yeah i I don't know how much except i was there last week oh okay and i couldn't wait to leave it was freezing yeah how is like yeah I spent 10 years there. I can do like two or three days. Me too. New York now. has become Vegas to me. It's I can't take it. It wasn't even a weather thing. It was just like. The whole vibe. Yeah. Like, like, and I loved what I was doing there and I wanted to leave. Right. You know what I mean? Like yes. I was just like, dude, oh, 
one thing I did there, and I think you'll appreciate this. I was a guest on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. Oh, dude, come on. <laughs> so I'm like, what is this? This is a podcast. Great run for me. Dude. I get to be your show, Gilbert. This is awesome. Next, you need to be on Bill Burr's. Oh, he wouldn't. Really? You dude, know he's a dude, drama, right? Yeah. I would love to talk to him. Dude, I just, me too. I, I'm not on his radio. You know I what I mean? I want him, but But Benny he's Greb. a sports fan oh, he's, yeah, exactly. so that's the so thing he and i could go at it for so sports and drums between and... the music and that all right uh, benny greb this german drama is friends with him now and oh. i just played with benny greb and he's like yeah well, you know it's oh, a drama and, you know we got to do it together that would be amazing because <laughs> right? i can handle the sports and you got, I can, yeah you, you do, do the music rest. yeah dude bill burr plays like the forum you know yeah. what these guys do yeah they fucking go in there and play music for like six hours all day. While, because they don't need to, yeah, they just get, get to they, play the forum. They get to play the forum oh, to like man. the crew of five and the wives and family, That's whatever. so great. That's hysterical. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. Like just childhood dream, like bashing away oh, at the forum for six hysterical. hours. So, but New York, to, to, to really put the nail in that coffin is, yeah. is I'm glad you agree because I was there this time last year finishing a film and it was like 12 degrees. Yeah. And I just, I was walking around on the Upper West Side and I just wanted to, every person I saw that was like over 70 years old, I just wanted to give a hug. Right. They look miserable. Oh my God. It's a, such a tough place to live. So brutal, man. Yeah. And it's like other big cities around the world, like Tokyo or even London or Berlin. It's, that's not the same. Yeah. It's not that same brutal thing. Yeah. I mean, know? I was just in Stockholm and I was in Copenhagen yeah. and it's winter and it's cold but like you can there's walk a humanity places. There. There's, there's a humanity. Mm. There's a there's something, and I think that there are still some amazing musicians that live in New York. But oh yeah, they only still live there because they don't know any different, right. and the, the city isn't breeding any new ones because everyone's priced out of living. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I you only know, know a handful of my friends that are still there. Almost insane. everyone has moved. You know, even a lot like of people moved to Cali. I mean, well, how moved long to you Cali, like my my buddy. You know, my I mean, it's like one of my dearest friends on the planet who I had a podcast with, Charlie Hunter, just oh, yeah. moved to Greensboro, Car Carolina. Yeah, yeah, he moved to you know, and they're they're ecstatic. They love it. Right. You know, I had actually two friends moved to Greensboro within three weeks of each other. Wow. So I'm like, great. There's already like community like building in a place. <laughs> But people are leaving that place because it's... My generation, a bunch of people moved yeah. to Nashville. A ton of people yeah. moved to Timmy, moved to yeah. LA. You moved to LA. Same like, month. Same Tim month, Tim and I moved real? the same week. I th I'm July 6, 2011. I think he was like the wow. third. We, we were laughing because we hung out. Oh, man. Timmy's the best. Dude. Also a huge football fan. So crazy we, we sports broke down. Yeah. And my team beat I his mean, team in the Pat's Super Bowl. I mean, Pat's Eagles, this is like crazy. <laughs> I right? think he's got me, though. They, they, they've they definitely showed us. They beat us in one other Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, we just compared notes the first time we hung out in L.A. Yeah. in, like, you know, August of 2011. And it was just, like, never going back. 100%. You couldn't fucking yeah. pay me, you know? Exactly. I'm the same way. I, I think about Europe sometimes. Mm. But then I think about, well, it, it's there. We can go there and hang out there yeah. and come back to L.A. You know yeah, I mean? there's a beauty to being in Europe but I think that based on what you're doing and what you're building I think the states are better for you for now totally, you know what I mean like totally. yeah and but, I'm marrying someone from here yeah next congratulations year. Thank you, I, oh, I, man. I, I, it's awesome oh yeah what a great thing such a happy time but I got to get back to this yeah. point of yeah the difference between being good and being great. Oh, Go sorry. check yeah. out that Philly-based guy, The Secret of Jazz. Now, <laughs> it's it's a comedy bit. It's a great bit. It's a super funny video. But actually just listen to Adam play and listen to the 
fucking details oh, in the man. music. Now, Adam's like, yeah, whatever. No, I'm really of- not. I'm actually kind of, if I, I might be blushing because I'm not that player. Like, I'm okay, really. Okay, and this is the point. Adam doesn't consider himself as quote unquote that player. Right. Okay. Someone who, like me, for instance, I spend my entire you. life playing yeah. up the dusty end of the neck. Okay. I'm, I'm okay with that now. It used to, they've used That's to That's the phrase. That, I've never heard that. The dusty, the dusty end. end. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I've never heard that. The low, low, yeah. low, low income yeah. end. <laughs> I love that. The 20, 27th fret or what yeah it's like i'm dude that's 26 on this one. Right. <laughs> but the point being like someone who is sitting right next to me and doesn't consider themselves that kind of player still has those details mm. in the playing go listen to the lines that are in that video i listened mm. to it i was like oh it's there mm. like the depth is there because you checked out the music so much yeah because your curiosity was the the, the driving force of mm. everything you were doing for such an intense period of time yeah. in your young developing life and i think people miss that with the overload of information like we could jump online right here and oh my god like jizzed well, on for an hour and not get anything out of it the thing is there was more at least I think there was more of when I was learning how to play the instrument, there were X amount of people that you just had to go through their filter. You didn't have. You said it earlier. You picked that person that you wanted to be like. Yeah. And you went after it. Hell for leather, right? Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, there's a point where you need to let go of what it is that you're going after. And for me, it was literally him walking into a session where he was coming from, I believe his wife Brenda was expecting their second child. And I was just, I'd pick up his bass and just be playing. And sometimes... Talking about Marcus. Yeah, but yeah Marcus. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'd actually play on stuff as like a placeholder part right. on, on stuff. Like they, they were doing, he and Lenny were doing a film called House Party. It's really funny oh, yeah. uh, comedy film. Um, Kid and Play with Robin, uh, what's his name? The really funny comedian. Uh, Robin Williams? No, 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 no. no, no. A comedian who also passed away, but but, but about 15 years before. I'll get, I'll remember his name. Wolf would kill me for not remembering his name. But I would like play because Lenny would just be like, just play like Marcus. And I I wouldn't think about it. I'd be like, yeah, of course. Right, 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 right. right. And then of course, you know, Marcus would just replace whatever I did. But um, I think it it was more Lenny just giving me, he's like, we're here and you're a kid and you're good. Like, I want to hear you do some shit and he'd yes. correct me. It was like really fostering the education. But that's a that's a good word actually. The fostering, the apprenticeship. The owl fostering. The, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. That too. Yeah. But that to me doesn't exist so much. Like well, having a long term gig yeah. like a Blakey and the Messengers no, on Miles. None of that. Horace Silver with yes. guys coming through his band. Absolutely. You know, uh Blakey Will Lee Miles. played with Horace Silver yeah. on electric bass. Like yep. there were so many opportunities. Doesn't back exist then. the same way. And I think that's major. And and it's so it's funny, music in a lot of ways is no different than like the guild mentality of like say germany in the 15th century where it's like i want to be a beer maker okay well you don't go to school you get around beer makers yes so that was my father's thought was you get around the best musicians in the world if you want to learn how to be a musician yes you he his thing was you clearly showed the aptitude and the ability get around the best people right fuck this jump the line in terms of don't go to school for it. Right. Get around them. Right. So that's what I did. And and but Marcus walked in one day and I'm I'm playing the 77 Maple Jazz and I'm mm-hmm. just whatever. And he goes, Man, he's like, I'd come in a I'd come in second place in a Marcus Miller sound alike contest. <laughs> and I didn't take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, 
I've gone too far in the rabbit hole. Took it the way he meant it. Yeah, which was a nice jab, and you know, and and he's a guy that wouldn't even remember having said that to me, right? But he said it, and 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 it was him, and and honestly, another spectacular bass player named Jeff Andrews. Oh yeah, who set me? (laughs) It sort of course corrected me marcus was like stop sounding like me so what do i do i sound like victor (laughs) and not wooten who i love but victor bailey absolutely yeah i just think victor i don't know how you feel but i feel like victor there's an amount of love that i don't think he gets that he does but there should be more of it yes uh, he and also he he fell fell in a tough time slot as well and a band slot and and oh. oh my god like he was against all the odds but that's the thing i was there for that i saw that in context and in context he fucking killed it right he killed it what do you think about the fact that people just won't look past what they know because it's difficult to re-educate themselves i have no you know know, listen we live in a world filled with that right now so like on on very much more important levels with politics right on that level Honestly, my only answer for that is go fuck yourself. Right. Because, right. you know, I don't know how else to look at it because 100%. he, there's a thing that he was and is and just learned. He, he reminds me in a way of like when Tommy Flanagan is on giant, giant steps, steps and you're yeah. like, all right, you know, that's a drag that that most, one of those most important recordings ever also immortalizes what he did. But you know what? 20 years later, he played that shit better than anybody ever on the planet. <laughs> and that is what should be respected. You right, know what I mean? I'm right, sorry. Right, right, and he's fucking Tommy Flanagan. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's of course. badass. Absolutely. But Victor, man, I saw a guy grow as a player and get to a point where I'm, I'm sorry. He, that shit was mind boggling. I love Victor. So, yeah, yeah so, so I got, I went into a Victor thing. And then, quite frankly, I was just like, I don't know about you. I got on certain sessions where it was like, whatever you're working out and whatever you're aspiring to be, leave 99.6% of that shit at the door. I got Absolutely. I got a lot of, okay, let's do it again. Yeah. You know, let's play Without the song. most of that. Yeah, yeah, let's play the song this time. But that's what fucked me up so much, honestly, about Pino and James Jamerson, because they always managed to play a billion. Yeah, a ton of stuff. A ton yeah. of stuff, and it just all stayed. Pino yeah. is, man, and, and then it's the other thing. Pino, there are so many bass players that have no clue about his whole beginning fretless yes. era. The they don't young, even the poor young yeah. stuff. Oh my god, come on! That's why I did my Philly guy bass thing on him on Fretless. I was oh, like, I haven't seen that. Yeah, one. I, I gotta watch that. Oh, okay, man, okay. There's a lot of really random facts about whales. Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> copper mining, copper mining facts. Um, but yeah, there's. I mean, you had X amount of guys, and depending on what you were into, I mean, you had if you were a rock guy, a jazz guy, into both a fusion guy, whatever. There was this hierarchy and a guild, and it continued, and then I feel like it kind of stopped. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like you're fortunate. You're part of, like, there was this, and and, and I'm not pigeonholing you. Please don't take this. But there's the Gary Willis, Schoolie Severinsen. Like, there are guys that really viewed the five and six string bass as as this fucking juggernaut right and you're one of the like main dudes of that whole thing it's like you know matt you 
uh, schoolie well, on his fucking Yamaha. Dude, the TRB, are you kidding me? I wish that Matt and Schooley never played other bases, man. Yeah. They oh, right. Matt played a Matt's TRB first. Yeah, so because good. of Schooley. Definitely. 100%. And, 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 and they the were thing, at Berkeley at the same time, right? And Schooley was two or three years ahead of us. Right. And also, European students were always much, they were older. Schooley right. could be six years older than Right, right, right. You know? Iceland, so, man. Like, oh, dude. And Iceland I had a buddy, I, I, I was buddies with a keyboard player from Iceland, same age as Schooley. And I would play with him. His name was KJ because okay. his full name was like Kartan, you know, oh, like yeah. <laughs> um, and like Schooley was, I mean, to this day, Matt and I will still joke about the first time we heard Schooley, right? And it made him dig in deeper to a thing, and me dig in deeper to playing with my thumb. Right. I was okay. like, hey, I got Larry Graham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that shit hurt. Cool. <laughs> that shit hurts my mind. And I right. would do gigs. I, I'll never forget. I did a gig. In Boston with, uh, I'm sure you played with Steve Hunt, the keyboard player oh, yeah, from yeah, Alan Holdsworth. Yeah, so like School D was playing with Alan Holdsworth and yeah. I, I did these random gigs with Steve and I would always be like, what the fuck am I going to play that this guy is, you know? And then the thing is, he's like, no, dig in and just play bass. You right, sound right, great. Right, right, like, right, right, right. don't try to, you know. That was Hiram's thing to me the first oh, time yeah. I played him, played with him. And yeah. we played all this Jacko stuff with Kenwood Denard on drums, like the Jacko trio. Oh, This was like 90. So it's the three of you. Yeah, just the That's three of heavy. us playing all that music. Hiram showed up 20 minutes before the hit and handed me a sheet of paper, said, you know all these tunes? I was like, yeah. Didn't know any of them. Hmm. Ran to the media center, learned them as much as I could, came oh. back to the BPC. We did the hit. It was great. Yeah. Uh, but his comment afterwards, his note afterwards, like, "Yow," yeah. he's like, "Hey man, what did you listen to on the radio as a kid?" And mm. I was like, "Well, you know, Michael Jackson, Madonna, Bill Withers." Mm. Yeah, keep listening to that shit. Yeah. He said the soloing's great, but you know, yeah, that shit. Yeah, you know, like that he's was a hundred percent right. Yeah, I mean, but I guess, I guess what I was saying is like that to me. I don't know what's beyond that in terms of the instrument as a guild. Like okay. as as this sort of like coming through filters yes. or hierarchy of guys because the the thing is there used to be like a hierarchy where like you know you'd suck I mean I'm just trying to think like there would be guys and then there were guys like Tim LaFay would sub for James Genus Absolutely. you know what I mean he'd sub on SNL yes he'd sub you know it's like that that and I'm sure all of that exists but I'm just saying there's not this. People throwing other people gigs kind no, of thing? Yeah. yeah, maybe that or just like, I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to put into words. It's a community that progresses a certain way based on a certain amount of work and certain just a thing. The there's work, not yeah. the studio thing. There's not the same amount of touring, although I know there's still lots of touring it's there's not lots of touring but i think people are getting just taken for a ride on the level oh, yeah. of bread you know yeah. like but i'm also noticing that there's like you know and i think it's wild because i think it's smart but they're like a couple bass players that that are the mds for like six pop acts each yeah you know and it's just like whoa you're well, like i mean adam blackstone has made yeah, a career out of that that's right? he's yeah he runs it yeah and it's amazing he it's like i equate it to my world as being like a Hans Zimmer thing right. where it's like here's your guys this is the team you've built and this is how, this is how it works yeah, like and I don't even Ricky Minor Ricky Minor Adam Blackstone I'm there's another one I'm trying to think of well Kern Brentley is like the Kern. East Coast Kern. Yeah. yeah of course that like, was Mary J when Wolf played with Mary J I met absolutely. Kern and his brother Valdez yes yeah great guys great musicians sure. but just a different it's a different thing because the way records are made are different so yeah. the need for certain groupings of musicians is all you know it's not like 
I'm going out with Fleetwood Mac, you know, or I'm going out with Steely Dan. You know, it's like that thing. It's just not this. Rihanna doesn't need that, right. you know, although there is a band. There is a band. And yeah. Katy Perry and like, yeah, yeah. you know, even Jay-Z had a band or has a band like. I, yeah. Not when I saw him. Oh, no. <laughs> just a DJ and just him. a pair of headphones. Oh, yeah. It was unbelievable. I'm like, oh, my God. It's just a dude. Wow. And like a playback and a dj you know it wasn't like a Fitting thing like 20 because my seats. buddy my buddy clay that i grew up with was in jay-z's band I, okay. I, he wasn't on the gig i saw you know not but, a philly guy yeah uh he went to the performing arts high school clayton okay. clayton sears was great that, guitar player. white guy yeah he plays with janet jackson plays with jay-z did plays the with, black album thing with Questlove? is this the guy wore like a sports jersey is he another sports guy he could have, yeah. Okay. I could see Clay wearing like a Eagles jersey. I or just Sixers remember a jersey. kind of like nerdy white guy. Not nerdy. He's oh, actually not nerdy like at a, all. Kind of like a looks like Matt Dillon. He's like a handsome dude. Oh really? Dude okay, okay, okay. Killing guitar player. Killing. I mean, just like one of those guys where you would you would see him and maybe go like, eh, and then you hear him and you're like, oh no, this is a pro. This is like right. Mike Landau kind of, you know. Re- well, maybe okay. Maybe yeah. uh, you go. Oh, I just love. I'm just Mike saying Landau, he's like, just the shit. But I'm just saying, yeah. like one of those guys, he just has a thing. Yep. It's really she's just great at a lot of shit. You what, know what happens now when you're a guy that has a thing? I don't know. You pray that Jay Z calls you and right? underpays you. Like right. <laughs> I mean, but grossly underpays you. It's kind of sick. You know more about. The, I've heard these stories. Where I got out eight years like, ago. That yeah. was my last pop tour. Well, you I were said doing Jim. No I remember oh, Jesus, you were MD. Like yeah, yeah. Well, for years. But though you remember the first time we actually really met wasn't in New York. I feel like it was in L.A. with Jamie Cullum because I was doing that session with that, Jamie. Yes, and that was like 100%. 2006. 2007 maybe okay. 2007 my father was still around my father was at the session so it couldn't yeah. be beyond 2007 I worked with your dad like I know yeah with uh, 2000 or oh, what, something what was it with uh, Mendelssohn Leslie Mendelssohn or, or was it I don't remember I was I trying know. to think on the way over and I'm was like, it a random violin player where you know he, he had random acts he worked with at that point I just remember it being like like Mouth shut, eyes and ears open, mm. like one of those, for me, early days of New York, like pay attention, you are about to learn a lot of shit being written. <laughs> oh, really? Like, yeah, that, that, there are certain people who subtle, feel like yeah. a presence in the room. You're like, yeah. oh, oh, I yeah. should shut up now and really, really <laughs> listen. Well, you know? Okay, so you were you were also talking about like, you know, for kids, like one of the main things for kids and Hiram should have maybe said this to you because he learned this fucking lesson and it, and, and it was important. I think he may have learned it with my dad. It was the listen lesson. Oh, keep your fucking yes. mouth shut. Yeah, no one cares what you know. Yeah, they only care help the song. Well, Hiram taught me that. Yeah, it, right. But, when I, and he, but I'm here to tell you, he learned that lesson from, from the that generation yeah. above him. We don't need the jokes. Right. You're not a Vegas lounge act. Yes. Shut up and play the guitar. Yeah. Don't be the you know, joker. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely. Well, he you know, was the one who really got me into being the producer on records not yeah. because he introduced me to people because he said keep your eyes and ears open pay attention to what mic they're using on the kick drum right pay attention to how a recording console works yeah pay attention to what gets a good performance out of a singer when mm. he or she hasn't eaten breakfast and suddenly oh food arrives and then suddenly the vocal is better like pay attention to these things yeah. you will not just be a bass player on session and that brings me to jeff andrews okay because that's actually a good segue for i was hanging out with jeff I think at the time he had had like a pretty bad car accident. Okay. Um, he, he was in a cab that got hit and he had, he had real pain. 
like couldn't uh, play kind of pain. Yeah. yeah. And we were talking about playing and, and I think I was empathetic to the fact that he had he was having a hard time, but he was like, you know, what are you up to? What are you doing? And I was doing sessions and I was getting ready to go on a tour and it was all the stuff that you would, you know, sure. A, B, C, like right. the things the lining steps. up. Yeah. And I was just maybe in a shame spiral, like, you know, one of those like just self-loathing, like I'm not doing this. I can't right. get this together. Blah, blah. And another instance of someone probably doesn't even remember having the conversation, right. but he said, it's all music. It's right. all music. When you turn on your, you know, your Roland JD nine ninety, and you make a track, when you screw around with samples, whatever it is, it's all your voice. Right. And that I connected that to Marcus. Kind of, Marcus also had this thing with me, and you'll you'll love this. If I was kind of digging in and sounding good, yeah, he's like, uh, uh-uh. like yeah. he's like Michael Jordan. Like he he's like, all right, let's let's play some basketball. Like you know, he's. Right. He has a com- not competitive thing, but he 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 will let you know like, oh, well, that's cute. Right, right, Do right. this. No. <laughs> so he used to, and I and I I didn't like this, but I also was just like, all right, whatever. I'm gonna bring it. He would say, oh, you're doing that Mark King shit, oh. and I'd be like, really? Wow. Because I'm like, wait a minute, Mark King is kind of dope. I mean, Hell like yeah. he's fucking insane and the i went singing through, and playing like oh, that together and, and, that's on, a, and, I, and i actually would say to him i'm like let me see you, you play some <laughs> shit like that and sing man there's no must be something about you exactly, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like you can't do that but but long story short it was like you know i'm like mark king i was like uh-uh you know i'm like because yeah. you know the, at that point it's like u.s versus europe versus you know my, totally. who knows and yeah. i'm just like all right well how about Larry Graham, right, right, who you who you should write a check to, you know, like every month. Yeah. That banter. <laughs> I actually met Larry Graham in at Mon- in Montreux at the jazz festival. I was playing there, and I was like, "Can you hold on? I got to get my checkbook." And he was with his wife. He's always and he just started laughing. I was like, "I owe you," you know, like I was like, "Just stay right here." You know, he's wearing the full white, the white suit, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was playing with Eddie Murphy. It was surreal. Yep. Like that? Wow. Eddie came out with like another record and he got the uh, band he wanted because he's Eddie Murphy. Because he's Eddie Murphy. It was kind of insane. Got the loot. Uh, yeah, but there was, you know, it was between Jeff and Marcus saying these things where I was like, I need to find, I know how to do all this shit, but I need to find a voice. Right. You know, what's your voice? What is it that you want to do? And you brought up production. My main reason for hanging Marcus was to learn about making records. Right. Playing bass was my sort of putting my foot in the door so they couldn't slam it. Right. And no, similar to you being in a studio with Hiram, it's yeah. like, or both of us in, yeah. in different times, it's like you watch how records get made, but when you're a part of the process, not only are you really getting to see producers work with singers right. you're bringing a thing to a song and seeing foundationally how it's built and who's doing what what this engineer does as a learning opposed to your place name. right learning your place but learning like all of the ingredients you know right. what i mean it's like you know all the layers of the mix basically. All, everything yeah. and and it's you know, this is a generation where I think people take for granted, like, oh, I'm a producer and I have Logic and I have all the plugins and right. I have every sample library and I play a little guitar. Right. That's important, but it's also important to know what your voice is with all sure. of that. And, you know, sort of like, you know, what is it? Uh, 
uh, Radiohead, everything in its right place right. kind of vibe. Right. You know, there's a, there's a there's a beauty to knowing how that stuff was constructed and how, like you just said, like what's your place in it, but also just how does this function? It, you know? it also feels like there's a little less responsibility being taken by the individual, the person who says I have a laptop and the plugins and oh, the, yeah. well, and the yeah. logic, you I know mean, what I mean? That, that to me it gets into a whole thing. Because there's where no necessity Right. Well, there's also like no dealing like what you said earlier with Hiram, like a singer who didn't get who hasn't eaten and is in a right. bad mood and is right. pissed at her boyfriend or right. whatever. There's so much shit in production that has nothing to do with talent or ability. My father, as a producer, literally was 85% therapist. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway and Bette Midler were so fucking good at what they did that they weren't good at other things in life yeah, or, or life. aren't something. Yeah. I mean, Bette, like, you know. That's kind of a genius on Twitter if you follow her. It's amazing. But oh, um, check that out. <laughs> she's hysterically funny. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then at that point, you're kind of like, it's funny. I worked with a lot of people that were older that worked with my dad that would be like, your dad's the shit. And then I would have, you're the, you, you approach it the right way where it's like, close your eyes and you'll learn some shit. What he did was subtle because he wasn't a musician and he couldn't say to you like, you know, it was funny. There was a whole generation of us, our age, you know, right. 35 to, to 45 kind yeah. of dudes that were like, you know, producer knows everything. And, you know, the, on that G7 chord, I want you to lay on that, right, you know, and right, it's right, like right. my dad was G7 chord. You right. know, just fucking play the chart. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you on that end. I know what I need out of my artist. I'll know when you're doing something wrong, wrong. and yes. how to tell you what I need. Yes. If you're doing it right. You're not hearing from me. Right. You're here. It was that whole you're here for a reason. Yes. And I got to tell you, there's there are companies that I work with that work that way. And it's brilliant. Yeah. I do a lot of work for Disney. OK. And I never chase my tail because they hire you when they know you're the guy to be there. They don't right. waste their time. We'll get right. seven composers. Right. They're all going to audition. No, you're doing this. This is what you do. You're fine. Right. First misstep or a second version. Eh, we'll get there. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. Yeah. Right trust. people in the right total trust and right people in the right place. So yeah, I would I would be around certain musicians our age and they'd be like, Oh, I worked with your dad. You didn't really know I don't like uh Wow. You know. Wow. I won't name would say names. that to you? Yeah, yeah. Really Holy one guy became like a giant producer and he's, he's just your dad's not a musician and I was like, Yeah, okay, go fuck yeah. yourself. Yeah. Wow. My dad's not a musician. Like Okay, That's what does that have to do with clueless can yeah. be like just <laughs> whatever? You know what I mean? Okay. In the in the in that moment, you're pissed because you defend your dad. In retrospect, you're just like you're a schmuck. You know, it's right. just like you're missing the whole point. Yes, you know what I mean. But most of it, you know, and it's funny Hiram saying that stuff to you because I think there's a part of Hiram that wishes, with his intellect and his extreme intelligence and 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 just ridiculous talent like i think hiram knows that if he channeled certain behaviors and energies in other directions he would have been producing the luthers he would have been producing certain artists because you know what i mean he just yeah. didn't take certain sure he didn't take certain you know he also it, was in was, that time where it was like studio musicians like you were saying that the scene was ending or studio musicians were just ready not to be in the studio and they were ready to be artists yeah and maybe he took the artist route he took the artist instead route of the producer very route, much so you know? and and so did marcus yeah. I mean, yes. he literally was like, I'm going to be an artist now, 1991, right. you know, right. whatever. But also was amazing at doing it all yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. You know, I'm no. guessing he hasn't stopped producing records to this day. He totally stopped. 
He has? He doesn't produce anybody. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you why. Tell me. This is great. I had this discussion with him, actually, on my podcast. Okay. And he said, why would I work with anyone now that Luther isn't here? He's wow. like, that to me. And there are people I think he's helped out and he's sure. done art, like some records here and there. But the reality is, is that that was special. That was really a special team. And I can see wow. how he's like, no, I'm going to do my thing. And maybe he comes back. In, I mean, in, massive you know, props for going to do his own thing. No, no, that's, that's just knowing what you want to do and focusing. Yeah. Like, he's that guy. But I almost choked up when I heard him say that because my assumption was, well, of course, you, you could produce anything. And he's right. like, I don't want to. Why? Yeah. Why? I lost, like, my best friend. Wow. So, yeah, it was, yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. I felt bad for even. For saying it. You know, yeah. And then I didn't. Right, then right, 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 right. said, I sound like Mark King. And I was like, that's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking compliment, Marcus. No, but. Yeah, the the reality is is I think that there are times in your life when you fo- like listen, you brought it, I'm I am a composer. Right. I am working on documentaries one after the other for the last like two and a half years. Right. That's it. Right. And I love it. Yeah. It's a different voice. It's a different expression and yes. it's a it's a a bitch of a lane to get into, but I think once you throw enough elbows and you you make enough inroads like i'm cool in this lane for a minute i love it i mean i had a show premiere last night i couldn't be more proud of you know the the alex gibney doc uh on showtime nice called enemies it's all about trump fighting with the doj wow that's where i want to be uh, okay I well work let's, on, let's know. all go check that shit out yeah um, sunday nights at eight on showtime wow what a enemies perfect plug um yeah. I want to finish out the podcast with yeah. what we almost started with, but never oh, got to, which is which not? is Wolf's hour uh, bar, oh. <laughs> rape per bar. And now we come to the payoff. Um, <laughs> so Wolf gives me this call. So I had talked to him like a lot right. via text and just on the phone. And and he goes, I'm like, what's going on with Alicia? I saw that the, the new Alicia Keys records uh, it, it, it record is out. I'm like, what are you on? Like I listened to it and it's, it, that's that kind of stuff where you musicians get used. You're, you can't tell. Man, some, you, it's, um, when it's, you get a good programmer. Oh, yeah. It's like. It's ridiculous. And it, yeah. it, it you know. So he's like, well, <laughs> he goes, I played on like four things, but I only ended up. It wasn't that I only ended up. He's like, they took me and they used four bars on this one thing. So then he said, but I got this rate for playing on everything else. So right. my per bar rate of yeah. music is the highest in recorded yeah. history. He's like, I'm, I won't name no, figure. He said I'm just it. Like, oh, oh, he, he said, said it, it on the podcast. He he said, he's like, I make 3,500 a bar or no, he five was like, grand it was, a bar. It was, it was eight bars and it was 1,500 a bar. Oh, it was fi- oh God. All right. I'm making yeah. it less but, and more. But, but, but yeah. still. He's like, I make 1,500 a bar. Yeah. And, and the thing is, we were just bantering. We were just going back and forth and we, and, and we got to that in the conversation. And we were just both lost it because they really you know you come from this generation of like you you wouldn't be used that way on i know like, imagine bonham saying well you know we did the tracks and everything but yeah but they, they only used, used eight yeah. bars but come on yeah it's <laughs> surreal so yeah so he he makes 15 you know i'm like yeah when you get called so i'm, I'm just thinking like what is just 80 wow man you make like a hundred and thirty thousand a track yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a pretty good day rate man so yeah that was you know all right, so coffee drinkers, you have something to aspire to now, which yeah. is a $1,500 bar rate. 
not a bar tab. No. Yeah, you don't run up a $1,500 bar no, that's tab. more like late 70s, early 80s bar tabs. Um, dude. Oh, thank you for spending some of my 40th birthday. All right, yeah, happy birthday! Podcast. Holy shit, thank I you, can't man. believe you came out on your birthday. I'm Coffee hiding. Drinkers. Chelsea's yeah. on the road. I had yeah, to like fill. All right, dude. Fill the time. I'm so happy, happy we got healthy, to do this. Uh, Coffee drinkers. This has been episode number 13. See you. Uh, <gasps> dun dun dun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> lucky number 13. See you, guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, on the next episode.